This Saturday afternoon at 4 is Nat's Prom, the weird Nat-centric party that you never knew that you needed. Come hang out at Walters with all of your social media and real-life Nat's friends while we watch the boys take on the Giants later Saturday night. Walters is showing UFC 264 featuring Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. Sunday, we have the Euro Final. Make your weekend plans at Walters now. Walters is open until 2 a.m. This week, you and some friends can watch the Nats out west at Walters. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Amy Martinez saying earlier today the swelling isn't completely gone, but he's able to swing the bat and put the glove on without any great discomfort. First pitch swinging and a fly ball to deep left field. This one way back, going, going, and gone. Goodbye. Into the second deck and straightaway left field on his first swing in five games. Zoom goes all-star Trey Turner. Now the 1-0. Swing and a line drive up the middle. Base hit center field. Rounding third Escobar coming home. Grisham's throw to the plate is not in time. Josh Bell is two for two. And it's now the Nationals five and the Padres nothing. Swing and a line drive left field. Base hit toward the corner. This will tie the ball game. Myers cruising into second with an RBI double that ties the ball game at five in the fourth inning. Josh Bell bats right-handed and hits one in the air to left center field deep. This one is way back there, may go, and the Nationals are in front. A home run for Josh Bell on the first pitch, and the Nationals lead 6-5. to five. And welcome to Nats Chat for Tuesday, July 6, 2021, along with Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, we are beginning taping of this installment of the Nats Chat podcast at 2.47 a.m., on Tuesday. We are fatigued. We are delirious, but we are delirious with joy because the Nationals won late on Monday night, 7-5 victory in game one of a four-game series at the San Diego Padres. Trey Turner was back, the former property of the Padres, and isn't it funny what can happen when Trey Turner returns to your lineup? And isn't it funny what can happen when Alcides Escobar is a leadoff batter in your lineup? I don't know how the Nats did it, Mark, especially given that John Lester was wretched again, but the Nats found a way to author a big win at the Padres. Well, are we sure it actually happened, Al? Because you and I are both delirious being up this late, so maybe we were hallucinating it. Although if you saw the same things I saw, I guess it did actually happen, and they just beat the Padres, one of the best teams in baseball, behind Alcides Escobar, Josh Bell, who's resurgent, 
Trey Turner being healthy. And how about Wander Suero, Sam Clay, Austin Voth, and Brad Hand, all perfect for four innings of relief against a really good Padres lineup. That was a gut check win. I thought that was a really important win for them after what they went through over the weekend against the Dodgers and then to give up a five-run lead in this game. That was impressive. I don't know where it's going to go from here, but that's a good win for them. No doubt. I mean, the cliche in college basketball is survive in advance, and that's what the Nats are in the midst of right now with this gauntlet that the Nats are running as apparently the Nats have been uh, shifted to the National League West here for the remaining uh, week or so of the pre-All-Star break portion of the season. Four games against the Dodgers at Nats Park, now the seven-game road trip, four at the Padres, three at the Giants, but the Nats found a way. I mean, I give them a ton of credit for coming through with this win on Monday night. Bullpen was excellent. We'll get to that. Lester was not. We'll get to that. But the offense, you know, Petco Park is a notorious pitcher's park. The Padres are a team that has been built for years to play to Petco Park. Good pitching team, good fielding team. To score seven runs at Petco against the Padres, especially this version of the Padres, an excellent team this season, that's not easy to do. And the Nats found a way to do it. And to have Trey Turner back out there, I know like one guy in baseball can only do so much, but boy, it sure seemed to impact things. And I mean, literally, Trey Turner hit the ground running the first pitch he sees in his first game back of missing all four of the games against the Dodgers over the weekend due to the finger injury. A home run and a bomb, a one-out first pitch solo shot to left field, top of the first home run going a projected 410 feet per stat cast. He also had a one-out single to center field that loaded the bases in a four-run national second inning. He drew a two-out eight-pitch walk in the top of the eighth, despite having been down to the count at one point, one-two. I know that Trey was not the leadoff batter on Monday night, so he wasn't necessarily the igniter of the offense. That title goes to our guy, Alcides, who we'll get to. But great to see Trey back, and great to see Trey off being named an all-star for the first time, doing as he did on Monday night. Yeah, talk about not missing a beat. I mean, that was impressive. And he said he didn't really do anything the last four days. He purposely tried not to do much to let his finger just heal without touching anything. And he felt like because he was on such a roll leading into it, that there was no reason to try to start doing a whole lot and mess around with his swing or do anything. So, I mean, he he stepped right back in and picked up where he left off. And you mentioned, you know, sort of like as Trey Turner goes, so go the Nats. Well, think back to 2019. I've said this before. It's not a coincidence that the resurgence from 19 and 31 to the World Series happened very close to the time when Trey came back from his injury. That was the finger injury back then, the fracture. I know a lot of different things happened that helped propel them back, but he was maybe number one on the list of most important differences between those first 50 games and then the remaining games the rest of the season. So yeah, he does make this team go. That was really significant. And you say, you know, scoring these runs, against a good Padres team. They scored five runs early off Joe Musgrove, who's one of the better pitchers in the league right now. That matched the most earned runs he's given up this season in any start. And they had five of them in the first two innings. And it looked like he was going to be long for this game. And he survived for five, but really setting a good tone there with what they did against a, a very good quality starting pitcher. Yeah, the injury for Trey Turner was a jammed left middle finger. Trey gave the middle finger to the Padres pitching staff (laughs) with that performance on Monday night. Great job by him. And another great job by Josh Bell. The resurgence continues. Josh Bell is alive, my friends. He was your starting first baseman, number four batter on Monday night. Three for five with a homer, two singles, and two RBI. He continues to look confident at the plate. He continues to be aggressive. 
I don't know if he leads the Nats in first pitch hits this season. It sure feels like he's got a lot of those, though. Two out first pitch single in the top of the first. One out RBI single up the middle in the Nats four-run second. And yet another instance of just really good contact being made by Josh Bell. And then the big blow, the one out first pitch. There's that phrase again. Solo homer to left center field in the top of the seventh on a shot that went a projected 412 feet per stat cast. Josh Bell, of course, was mired in one of the worst slumps to begin a season that you'll ever see a guy be mired in. Josh Bell now on the season has raised his OPS by 311 points since the start of games in May. It's been a steady climb. It hasn't necessarily been some like Kyle Schwarber-like surge where over the course of just a few weeks, he completely transforms how you view his season. But Josh Bell entered the month of May with an OPS on the season of 464. He exits this game on Monday night with an OPS on the season of 775. He is now, it's taken a while, but he is now having the season that the Nats traded for him to have. This is exactly what the lead to my game story was, Alan. I don't think you've read it yet because it's so late you were preparing for the episode, but I'm going to take it even further. It's May 13th is the key date for him when it all turned around. Prior to that point, he was hitting 133, 198 on base percentage, 289 slugging, just (laughs) atrocious, okay? And because of that, his season totals just don't look very good yet. But now consider what he's done since May 13th. And we're talking almost two months. It's 44 games. Since May 13th, 314, 381 on base, and 564 slugging. This is who he is. Now, he may not keep that up for the rest of the season. But when it's all said and done, he's going to have total numbers that look very respectable. He's not just still like climbing his way out of this. He is really productive and has been for almost two months now. And boy, do they need it with Kyle Schwarber out. It's Trey Turner, Juan Soto, Josh Bell. Those are the three they're going to have to do it. Soto still isn't hitting for power, but Turner and Bell are getting the job done. And that's going to be critical for them for however long Schwarber's out. And perhaps we should add another name to that mix, Alcides Escobar. He was an at starting second baseman and leadoff batter in the 7-5 win at the Padres on Monday night. Yes, Alcides Escobar, who had not played in the majors since the 2018 season, who the Nats just acquired on Saturday for cash considerations from the Kansas City Royals. That Alcides Escobar was the Nats' leadoff batter on Monday night. If you're like me and you see that lineup, you're like, what is Davey doing with this? But sure enough, Escobar comes through again for the Nats in this game. He finishes with three hits, RBI double, two singles, and an RBI sack bunt. 1-1 delivery. And a bunt try up the first baseline, fielded by Cronenworth, shovel to the plate, not in time. Robles with a head first dive past Caratini on the safety squeeze laid down by Alcides Escobar. The sack bunt was a thing of beauty. One out RBI sack bunt down the first baseline, squeeze play, runners at the corners in the Nats four run second. He has a one out single top of the fourth, despite having been down in the count at 1.02. He has a two out single in the top of the sixth. He has a two-out RBI ground rule double in the top of the eighth, despite having been down in that count at one point, one, two. Alcides Escobar, when he was with the Royals and those pennant-winning Royals teams of 2014, 2015, were known for this, putting balls in play, right? There's not a guy who overwhelms you with his power, but this is a guy who can put the ball in play. And sure enough, that's what Escobar has done. He, in that 5-1 loss to the Dodgers on Sunday, three for four in that game with a double and a couple of singles. He has shown an ability to win down and counts, battle his way back and end up, you know, putting bat on ball and maybe getting even a hit out of all this. And 
you know, this bizarre penchant, but this impressive penchant that Mike Rizzo has had over the last few years of acquiring guys who look shocked, who have been released or cut loose from their previous teams, and then getting production out of those guys. That trend is continuing here. I know it's early with Escobar, so maybe he never gets another hit again for the Nats. But Gerardo Parra, Esdrubal Cabrera, Josh Harrison, are we perhaps adding another name to that list now in Alcides Escobar? This is stunning what this guy's done over the last few games. Alcides Escobar is the new Gerardo Parra. It's what you're saying. Yeah. So we just need a catchy tune for him to step up to the plate and we're off and running. Let's give him a few more games before we declare anything. But so far, you couldn't ask for anything more from him. That sack bunt that you called it, it was a squeeze bunt. It was perfectly done to score a run. And I love that kind of stuff when it's executed well. And, you know, Ned Yost used to take all kinds of grief for hitting this guy leadoff on a very good team with a lot of very good hitters. And they went on to win the World Series. And Escobar, I believe, has a career on base percentage under 300. It's completely counterintuitive to today's modern thinking that he should be hitting leadoff. And yet Ned Yo stuck with it because he believed in him there. And Davey Martinez put him up there, at least for this game. We'll see if it continues. And boy, it made a difference. He's on base all night long, setting the table for Turner and Soto and Bell. That was solid. And I also thought it was interesting that he played second base and that allowed Josh Harrison to play left. And we may see a little bit more of that, too, as long as Kyle Schwarber's out. It's been such a problem for them all year. They have not had a right-handed backup outfielder, nobody who could step in and give Schwarber a night off when they're facing a lefty or you know something like that. Harrison can do that as long as they have somebody to take over second base for him. So perhaps there will be more nights like this where Alcides Escobar can start at second base and Josh Harrison can start in left, and that just gives a different dynamic and allows that flexibility that we talked about all weekend that the Dodgers have. Well, here's a case where the Nats might actually be able to use theirs. Rough night for Harrison at the plate, 0 for 5, but he does offer the position flex that uh, so few other Nats possess. Alcides Escobar, I mean, I think it's important to understand this. Like I said, had not played in the majors since 2018. He, in that season, had a war per baseball reference of minus 2.2. I mean, he was horrendous that season. He was Chris Davis that season. And yet here he is in what is his age 34 season. I mean, he's already paid off in spades for the Nationals with what he's done over his last few games. I mean, they gave up nothing to get him. And uh, he's given them something here. I, I give him credit. Like, who knows if this can keep going? But really nice job by Alcides Escobar. And I also do want to give some credit to Victor Robles off having had an atrocious series against the Dodgers. Two for four with a couple of doubles on Monday night. One out, full count, double to left field, and the Nats four run second. One out, full count, double, and the Nats one run, eighth inning. So nice to see that. And also, Mark, Jan Gomes was back. I don't want to just take that for granted. You know, you don't know these days, first of all, who's going to wind up being hurt on a given day, but you never know how long a guy might be out for. We didn't know that Trey would necessarily end up missing four games as he did. Jan Gomes only ends up missing the one game due to that hit-by-pitch from Joe Kelly on Saturday night. Yeah, it was important to get him back. And as we said, he probably wouldn't have started Sunday anyways, the early game after the night game, but he was banged up. His arm was sore, bruised. He was not able to throw on Sunday. So even if they needed him, he probably could not have played. So the fact he was able to heal up and be able to play on Monday night is a very good sign. And, uh, you know, they need him. I, I know he didn't throw a runner out. That was more on Lester, I think, than anything Gomes didn't do a lot at the plate, but just his presence back there, I think, makes a big difference. And when your backup right now is Trace Barrera, because Alex Avila is out with two strained calf muscles, not one, but two, they're going to need to ride Gomes as much as possible here for the rest of this road trip and, and hope that he holds up. 
Yes, that would be backup catcher slash second baseman Alex Avila with the bilateral calf strains right now. Nats Chat is sponsored by Silver Branch Brewing Company, located in downtown Silver Spring, only a one-minute walk from the Silver Spring Metro Station. Silver Branch is a perfect jumping-off point to Metro down to the game. Park at the Cameron Street parking lot and meet up with friends for a beer and a bite to eat before Metroing down. You can also get Silver Branch beer at Nationals Park. Beyond the Gnome World, one of Silver Branch's four flagship beers is available at District Drafts at Section 223. Brewed to be light and refreshing, Beyond the Gnome World won a gold medal for the Saison beer style at the Great American Beer Festival last year. Beyond the Gnome World is deliciously dry and thirst-quenching and the perfect beer for hot summertime ball games. You may not be familiar with Saison, but take our word for it, baseball season is the perfect season for Saison, and buying from District Drafts to support your local breweries is a gnome run. Go to Section 223 and try Beyond the Gnome World the next time that you're at Nats Park, and make sure you stop by Silver Branch, located in Metro Plaza, just steps from the Silver Spring Metro. Silver Branch Brewing Company, when you come in, let them know that the Nats Chat Podcast sent you. Treat the whole family to a fun night of baseball with the Bethesda Big Train at Shirley Povich Field. Big Train Baseball is the perfect mix of small-town charm and big-league talent right here in Bethesda's Cabin John Regional Park. Visit BigTrain.org forward slash tickets to reserve your seats for tonight's game and all other home games throughout July. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hand sets, and the one-two on the way. Swing and a miss. Struck him out with a slider. And a curly W's in the books in San Diego. What a job by the Nationals' bullpen tonight. Four consecutive one-two-three innings. Five consecutive scoreless innings. All right, you mentioned Lester. We'll get to him in a moment, but we're trying to keep this upbeat, okay, because there's been a lot of negativity with the Nats here lately. The bullpen on Monday night awesome. It was not a good series for the Nats bullpen against the Dodgers. And one of the nice things about the performance on Monday night was some of the guys who really had issues against the Dodgers delivered at the Padres on Monday night. Five Nats relievers in this game officially combined for five and two-thirds scoreless innings. I say officially because there is a nit to pick. Kyle McGowan, who officially tossed one and two-thirds scoreless innings, did allow an inherited runner to score two at RBI double that he gave up to Will Myers on a one-two pitch. And then McGowan issued a two-out five pitch walk of Trent Grisham. All of this happening in the Padres' two-run fourth. But otherwise, 
McGowan got the job done. And then the onslaught began. Wander Suero, perfect bottom of the six, two strikeouts. Sam Clay, perfect bottom of the seventh. Austin Vogt, perfect bottom of the eighth that featured him striking out. Fernando Tatis Jr. on just three pitches, all swinging strikes for the third out. And then Brad Hand, a perfect bottom of the ninth, despite facing the Padres numbers three through five batters and Jake Cronenworth, Manny Machado, and Will Myers, who hand struck out on four pitches. That was a lethal run there, especially when you're talking Suero, Clay, both hand. Those first three guys, not always great, understand that, but those guys all were great on Monday night. Yeah, look, from the moment Lester came out of the game in the fourth, in your mind, you're now saying, okay, how do they get the ball to Brad Hand? (laughs) And because Hand had to go multiple innings on Sunday, you knew he's only good for one in this one. So they were going to have to patchwork this together and get through the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, and the eighth. And especially when they took the lead, you said, okay, it's going to be up to a couple of these guys who we've seen kind of hit or miss lately. They're going to have to find a way to get it done. And boy, did they get it done. Swero looked great. As we know, when he, good Swero is really good. Bad Swero is really bad. Well, we got good Swero in this game. But Sam Clay and Austin Voth, who were a part of that awful nine-run inning the other night against the Dodgers, Clay needed six pitches to retire the side in the seventh. Voth needed six pitches as well, all six strikes. So there you go. Put the ball over the plate. You have good stuff. Make him swing and miss or, or swing and ground out or whatever. Great job by him. And then once you get to the ninth, now you're feeling confident because Brad Hand has been lights out for a long time now. So that was huge. Hopefully it's a boost of confidence for them because until Hudson's back and Finnegan's back and Rainey's back, they're going to need more of this from those guys. I think we're going to see Finnegan in the next few days, maybe as soon as Tuesday. Hudson's a little further away, but maybe before the end of the week, we could see him. So that will help. But in the meantime, Swero, Clay, and Voth are going to be in prominent positions, and they're going to need to continue to do what they did on Monday. Yeah, and Voth, I mean, he just humiliated Tatis on that strikeout. And look, Tatis was more than up to the challenge on Monday night. Tatis lived up to his billing on Monday night. I mean, hitting the home run, that catch to rob Ryan Zimmerman on a lineout. 2-2, swing and a line drive. Oh, caught by Tatis, leaping a hole in it short. What a play by Fernando Tatis Jr. up the ladder with a leap to Rob Ryan Zimmerman of a base hit into left field. Uh, He does a couple of things tonight to just take your breath away. Spectacular leaping backhanded grab. Tatis really is a lot of fun to watch, but both made him humble with that plate appearance there in the bottom of the eighth inning. Well, it's a good thing the Nats bullpen was lights out on Monday night because John Lester was not. He was really bad for a third consecutive start. Five runs, two earned in three and a third innings. He gives up six hits, a homer, two doubles, and three singles. He issues four walks, one of which was intentional. He issues a hit by pitch. He has just two strikeouts, which came against the Padres' first two batters in the bottom of the first. Boy, did that end up being misleading. And he has another one of these games in which the strikes-to-balls ratio is almost one-to-one. 48 strikes versus 35 balls on 83 pitches. Now, he did have a one-out RBI single in the Nats' four-run second, so we must now all take back our criticism of Davey for using Lester as the pinch hitter over the weekend. But yeah, Lester, the pitcher, he wasn't Shohei Otani on Monday night. His pitching lacked a lot. The hitting was fine, but the, the pitching lacked a lot. He ends up, first of all, bottom of the first, scoreless inning, yes, but he ends up loading the bases with two outs, like a typical Lester thing. Gives up a two-out single, followed by back-to-back two-out walks, and then things unravel in a three-run 
bottom of the third, all the runs scoring with two outs. I know that the problem started with the fielding error by Starling Castro, but this to me is another example of, are all of the runs really unearned in an inning like this? Lester completely falls apart. Two out, five pitch walk to Manny Machado. Two out single to Will Myers. Two out full count bases loaded hit by pitch to Trent Grisham. And then the two out, two run double by Ha Sung Kim. And then two more runs allowed by Lester. Bottom of the fourth, the one out solo shot by Fernando Tatis Jr., one out double by Jay Cronenworth, and then the run scores on the double given up by Kyle McGowan to Will Myers. John Lester's ERA is 534. It actually didn't change with this outing, which is pretty interesting. The whip is 163. He, over his last three starts, has allowed 17 runs, 14 earned in 10 and two-thirds innings. John Lester should write a thank you note tonight to both Steven Strasburg and Eric Fetty, because if either guy was healthy right now, I don't know how Lester would still be in the rotation. Yeah, I agree. And that's going to make for quite an interesting decision whenever one of them comes back, because at this point, you cannot make the case that Lester deserves to be in the rotation over Paolo Espino, who is, you know, in theory, the number five starter. Certainly when Strasburg and Fetty are both back, there's not going to be room for him. Uh, he's on borrowed time right now, and he's going to have to turn it around quickly to keep his job with them. Now, you know, they may find a way to keep him around and we'll see what they do. There are some different maneuvers they can make. But here to me is the stat that summarizes what's going up with John Lester right now. Over his last four starts, he is averaging more than 20 pitches per inning. You can't do that in this league. If he's either falling behind hitters or gets ahead of him like he did in this game, he's up 0-2 on some guys. Next thing you know, it's 3-2. You can't do that. You can't be successful. He's nibbling around. He's not trusting his stuff. Now, maybe if he throws it over the plate, it's going to get hit hard. So be it. If you're going to go down, that's the way to go down. You can't go down nibbling around the edges, hoping for calls off the plate. You're just not going to get it. And that was a painful start to watch. Like you said, the first inning, he got out of it. But back-to-back, two-out walks, not good. The third inning after the air, the walk, the bases loaded, hit by pitch on a 3-2 pitch, just not good. And he knows it. He's frustrated by this. He knows he's better than this. And he knows that he is on borrowed time and he's running out of time to make something happen. But I will say this, Davey Martinez clearly knew what he was doing, pinch hitting Lester those two days. Wanted to get his swing down, let him see some pitches, be ready for his big moment because he delivered in a big spot at the plate in this game. The Nationals dug out, especially the pitchers going wild. Lester drives in his first run of the year. Well, I mean, you know, you think about the great hitters in baseball history, right? Like Cobb and Gwynn, Carew, Lester. You know, it's it's about timing. Exactly. You need to have your timing down, and Lester clearly got his timing down, so, you know, it all makes sense now. Here's the thing. Lester was really bad the last two seasons with the Cubs. He's been even worse now so far this year. We kind of thought maybe uh, during spring training, he, he undergoes the parathyroid surgery. He had been feeling fatigue in recent times. You say, all right, maybe that helps him get back on track. I mean, no one has ever questioned John Lester's toughness, his competitiveness. The guy's a postseason legend, but he's just, he's a fading pitcher at this point. Like that's just the truth with what he is. The hope when the Nats signed him was that they could maybe get one year out of him. And, you know, this could be another one of these deals where the Nats sign a veteran and for at least one more season, he can be halfway decent. It's not happening. And Barring some big-time turnaround, which I guess is possible. I mean, we've seen Josh Bell turn it around, so maybe Lester can too. It's just hard to have a lot of faith in it. I still go back to even when things were going semi-well for Lester. You know, it wasn't that long ago his ERA for the season was under four, but even then, it felt like a house of cards. The whip was sky high. He was putting a lot of guys on base. He wasn't generating a lot in the way of the strikeout, and it just didn't seem sustainable. You know, we talked about with Joe Ross 
how Ross's recent run seems sustainable because he's getting all these strikeouts. He's not issuing walks. These aren't phony good starts that Ross is putting forth. It was kind of phony what Lester was doing with that ERA under four. And he's been exposed here over these last few outings. And uh, it's tough. I mean, you feel for the guy. You know he's trying, but it just doesn't feel like when he pitches, you have much of a shot at getting anything more than three or four innings. And you kind of close your eyes at what could be coming over those three or four innings. But for now, because you got Strasburg and Fetty injured and because the minor league is not really exactly oozing with starting pitching options, I don't think Lester's going anywhere uh, in this rotation. So we'll see what ends up happening. Now, when it comes to what's next for the Nationals, game two at the Padres, Tuesday night at 10-10, we don't know who the starting pitcher is yet. Now, do we? No, we do not. And this was interesting. They Originally, we would have thought they'd be on normal rest and it would be Patrick Corbin on Tuesday and Max Scherzer on Wednesday and Paolo Espino on Thursday. And then shortly before the game, they announced that Tuesday was TBA and that the other guys are going to get an extra day off. I think they came to realize that this stretch of 20 games in 20 days to close out the first half is taking its toll on them and that they could probably use a little extra rest. And so Corbin and Scherzer in particular are going to get that. Now, remember Max's last start, and we said they didn't push him to go another inning because he knew he was going to be making another start on normal rest without an extra day off. Well, it turns out he is getting the extra day off. So maybe that's a sign of, okay, we want to make sure that he can give us 110, 115 pitches to close out the first half of the season. Maybe that's something to it. The problem is now they got to find a starter for Tuesday. Now, Davies hinted, the, the only name he dropped before the game was Jeffrey Rodriguez as an option, but he wanted to see how this played out. Obviously, they had to use a bunch of relievers, so that doesn't help the cause if you're going for a bullpen game. And he did say afterwards that there are going to be roster moves, and he said moves, plural. Mark, I could tell you right now, it'll be a conversation for tomorrow with the pitchers. <laughs> Hopefully, they'll all be good to go, and we got to make some roster moves. We haven't decided yet, so uh, I'll make that announcement tomorrow. I don't know who that is, what that means exactly, but I think if nothing else, they understand they need some fresh arms. Maybe Kyle Finnegan is one of them in terms of late inning relief, but as for who's going to start the game, I guess I'm going to guess it's Jeffrey Rodriguez, but maybe there's something else in the works right now. Do you think they'd cut Lester? No, I don't think, again, because Strasburg and Fetty are not back yet, and Lester would need to make another start, I think, in San Francisco this weekend. So they can't even get to the all-star break without that. So, no, I don't think so. And and you do that and you're, I mean, first of all, it's a bad morale move for the clubhouse because he's such a popular guy and so well-respected. But also, you're tempting fate because who knows what happens to somebody else if Corbin gets hurt, if Scherzer or something, God forbid, happens to him. You, you don't want to ever do that until you know that you are in good shape. I think eventually there could maybe be an IL move with Lester, come up with something for that. But for now, I don't think that's the case. I think it's probably Jeffrey Rodriguez, but at the end of this game, they had to look at this and say, okay, let's figure out who we have and who's available to get us through Tuesday's game. And maybe we do need a fresh arm or two just to fill out the bullpen and make sure we have enough arms for the game. Hey guys, Al Galdi here to tell you about FanDuel. It's great to be in the midst of baseball season. Nothing like watching a game. Great weather, cold drink, and a little action on FanDuel Sportsbook. If you have never bet on baseball before, now is the perfect time to give that a shot. FanDuel is letting new users swing for the fences risk-free as you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. 
And once you have an account, you can get up to $25 back each day if your same-game parlay bet falls one leg short. This way, you can combine multiple baseball bets for an even bigger win all season long. There's a reason that FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. The app is simple to use. It's got great odds on all different betting markets, unique fun bet types like same-game parlay and always-on promotions to let you get more action out of every game day. And when you win, FanDuel will pay you your winnings in as little as 24 hours. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code CHAT to get in on the action. That's FanDuel Sportsbook. Promo code chat and games on Tuesday night include Milwaukee at the Mets at 7:10. It is a Jacob DeGrom game for New York. Yes, he looked at least somewhat human in his last outing, but the ERA on the season is still 0.95. Take the Mets. 21 plus and present Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, or West Virginia. First on my real money wager, only for risk-free bet. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site. Credit that expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanal.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT-INDIANA. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER. New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. Tennessee, 1-800-889-9789, or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. The 1-1. Swing a line drive to right toward the corner, chasing Margot. He can't get it. It's one up off the fence. Turner racing for second. He's going for three. The relay throw from Brasso. The head first dive. He is safe. And Turner is hit for the cycle on his birthday. You can always email us at the Nats Chat Podcast. The email address is natschatpodcast at gmail.com. We've gotten a couple of emails on this issue, and with Trey Turner back, I thought we could work this into the mix here. Uh, Mike August wrote us a good email on this. John did as well. Basically, the idea being Trey Turner getting injured, trying to get that triple, and he successfully got that triple in that game against the Rays in which Trey hit for the cycle, but getting injured sliding headfirst into third base and injuring the finger. And the, and the basic question is, guys seemingly get hurt sliding headfirst a lot. Why do guys keep doing this? Is this not coached out of them? Are players encouraged still to slide headfirst? The thinking on that, I've got a few things to say about it, but what do you know in terms of like what the Nats coach when it comes to sliding into bases? You know, I think this is just the way it is around baseball. How many guys do you really see slide feet first anymore? Not a lot. Maybe into the plate, you see it on the bases. It's just not the way they do it, especially on stolen bases. Those days are, are gone. And I think they either are more comfortable with it or feel like it gets them faster to the base. Or And you even saw it in this game with Josh Harrison. When you go head first, it does give you a little bit of option to pull one hand back and go with the other one to get around a tag. Now, yes, you are leaving your fingers susceptible to injuries when you do that. And we've seen it happen for plenty of guys before. But I don't think this is suddenly going to change. We've seen it happen to others over the years, and they always say, oh, well, now they're going to just start sliding feet first. Nobody ever does. It just doesn't happen. This is the state of baseball in 2021. As far as Trey going for the cycle, I have no problem with that. That wasn't like some huge gamble to go for the triple there. It was a legitimate attempt at it, whether he was going for the cycle or not. So I don't have an issue with that. Could he have had better sliding format? Maybe I didn't look at it that closely to see if he didn't hold his hands the proper way. But head first sliding, this is the way it is. I don't think that's suddenly going to change because of the occasional injury. Yeah, I mean, regarding going for the triple, he hit the ball to right field. Third base is on the left field side, and he's a really fast player. So going for the triple made sense, and he got it. So you can't really fault him for that. 
when it comes to the sliding, I think what you said is exactly the thing. You can better maneuver yourself when you're sliding headfirst. So you can slide around a tag. You can do things with your hands and arms that you can't do with your feet and legs. I think that's why so many guys slide headfirst. There is, though, that injury risk. And this is one of the reasons why it was really starting to bother me early in the season when Juan Soto kept trying to steal second base. And first of all, he wasn't good at it. But second of all, you were putting yourself at an injury risk. And it was like, why are you doing this if you're Juan Soto? It's one thing if you're Trey Turner and you can run like you know the wind. But with Juan Soto, it's like, really, you want to keep doing this? So you do have to be careful with this stuff. There's no doubt about that. But look, these guys are competitive. And I don't know why it is, but when you're running and you have to slide, it does feel more natural to slide head first. It doesn't feel, I mean, I remember when I played and I was terrible, but it never felt natural sliding feet first. It always feels more natural sliding head first into a base. You know who had a nice feet first slide into the plate in this game? John Lester. Lester tags. He's coming on down the line and he slides across the plate, even though there isn't a play. Completely unnecessary because there was no play at the plate, but he still slid in very nicely, pop up right through the plate. That was good stuff. Yeah, no, I agree. The feet first slide is not a natural movement and you never really see the good old fashioned pop up slide anymore. That just doesn't happen. And, you know, the other part of it, and I don't, I've never had anybody say this to me, so I don't know if it's true, but just occurs to me that with instant replay now, where they can look at every frame of video and see that your foot came off the bag for a split second, it seems like maybe head first, you have a better chance of holding onto the bag. And that feet first, that does kind of sometimes happen where the foot touches the bag and then it comes off. And if they hold the tag, you're going to be called out on replay. So maybe that's something to do with it. I don't know. It's frustrating. You don't want to see anybody get hurt on plays like that. But I think it's just too ingrained in the sport right now to think that that's going to change. John Lester is taping a Tom Amansky video right now on how to hit and how to run the bases. So uh, look for that uh, on Amazon.com in the coming days. Fred McGriff approves. Yeah, that's right. With the hat, the great hat that McGriff used to wear in those spots. <laughs> you tell us what you think. How do we end up talking? I told you we're delirious So as we tape this episode. <laughs> you tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email us Nats chat podcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to become a sponsor of the Express that is the Nats Chat Podcast. Get your Nats Chat Podcast t-shirts by going to natschatpodcast.square.site. We have t-shirts for the Nats Chat Pod. We have t-shirts for the Secret Weapon as well. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. Arm strength, quickness, agility, and body control. The essential elements of the winning defensive baseball player. And with Coach Emansky's Defensive Drills video, you'll learn the amazing training secrets of America's finest baseball school. The Defensive Drills video features revolutionary training techniques developed by professional scout and instructor Tommy Mansky. Techniques that get results, producing baseball world's back-to-back-to-back AAU national championship teams and even a gold medal in international competition. In a recent review, Collegiate Baseball Magazine exclaimed, with Coach Jimansky's techniques. The future of baseball is here today. Even top professional players are impressed. Just ask Major League Superstar Fred McGriff. I'm so impressed with the instructional videos by Coach Jimansky that I've given them my full endorsement. When you watch them, you'll know why. The Defensive Drills video is available now for immediate shipping. It makes a great gift and benefits players of all ages and ability levels. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.